Okay, let's go ahead and begin our class today. You know, for the last about three weeks, we've been determining whether or not uh, Hesed is part of the B'nai Noah structure. We do know that there's only seven laws, and of course those seven laws are within a halakhic framework. But what we have found out and discovered is that Chesed also seems to be an obligation for B'nai Noah, even though it might not fall within the halakhic area of the seven. So, uh, since we've already determined that we have an obligation, and since we have an obligation, then it seems that we should, at this point, turn to uh, finding out what and how uh, we should perform Hesed. And of course, where do we go to, to determine how we perform Hesed? And of course, that is back to the Torah. Now, I've chosen a textbook for us. And the textbook is Ahava Hesed by the Kovach Kind. And by the way, we're probably not going to follow exactly or precisely the order of the book. We're going to do a little skipping around. <clears throat> so you just have to bear with me as we go along. Uh, this evening, we would like to start, by the way, with the introduction. And the introduction is found on page 21. Uh, it says, Rabbi Shimlea explained, and this is in Tractate Sota, 14a. The Torah begins with an act of kindness, Gemlut Chesed, and ends with an act of kindness. It begins with Chesed, as it is written, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21, And Hashem God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. It ends with Chesed, as it is written in Devarim, chapter 34 and verse 6, And he, Moses, was buried in the valley in the land of Moab. Here, Chazal has made us aware of the great importance of Gemlut Hesed by showing that the Torah begins and ends with this topic. In truth, however, these are not the only such passages. Many other sections of the Torah deal with this subject, as we shall, uh, please God, demonstrate. It should, however, first be noted that the scope of this virtue is not limited to free loans, as some believe but extends throughout all the good and kind deeds which a person does to another without receiving uh, recompense. Now if we go back and remember that if we take the Rambam's definition of chesed in the Guide for Perplex, <clears throat> in the Guide for Perplex he mentions two different types of definitions. It's uh, of course an act of kindness that is shown and demonstrated to one that has absolutely no uh, hold on us whatsoever. And for those that uh, does, in some sense, uh, we are to actually double up that type of hesed. So it <clears throat> doesn't just fall within one realm or one area. And of course, Kofus kind points this out. Some people might assume this, but rather it does not. He goes on to tell us, one can perform a chesed with his possessions by lending his livestock, utensils, money, or the like. This constitutes the kindness done with one's property, and is, is so called by Hazel. One might also extend kindness with his person, this latter category being divisible into two uh, classes, kindness toward the living and kindness toward the dead. Toward the living, one extends Hesed by overcoming, excuse me, by welcoming guests into one's house and exerting oneself on their behalf and by escort, escorting them on their way, by gladdening the groom and the bride, 
by visiting the sick and by comforting mourners, mourners or any similar act toward one's neighbors. All these and similar subjects will be explained in the uh, chapters that follow, by the way. Then, he goes on to say, there is a kindness extended toward the dead, taking out the coffin, helping with all necessary with all the necessary for the burial, acting as pallbearers, joining the funeral procession, rising to deliver the eulogy, uh, digging the grave, and completing the interment. All such acts, including the topic, all these acts are also included within the topic of Gimlet Husset. Uh, see uh, Sukkah 49b, Rashi there, also Rambam on the Laws of Mourning, chapter 14, the sources which our remarks are derived. In other words, if we go back to the sources, we find that these things are to be true. <clears throat> they are included in the positive commandment of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself, meaning that whatever you want, uh, you would want others to do to you, you should do to others. Now, he says, we shall demonstrate for everyone's benefit how the Torah is replete with acts of hesed. Every person will then be able to judge for himself how important God may be blessed considers this matter. First of all, on the verse in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 22, And the rib which Hashem God takes from the man made he woman, and he brought her to man. Chazal has commented on Barakoth 61a, This teaches that God braided Eve's hair. God also acted as best man at the wedding. See the Gomorrah here in the Sidra Noah. The Torah relates in Genesis 9 and verse 21, And he drank of the wine and was drunk, and he uncovered within his tent. And Ham saw, and Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it up on their shoulders, and they covered the nakedness of their father. They were not obligated to show this respect. Uh, and what he was saying is that this, of course, is prior to the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. And, of course, within the Torah system, within the halakhic system of the Torah from Sinai, uh, for the people of Israel, it says one of those laws, positive law, is that you should honor your father and mother. And so he is <clears throat> telling us that the sons of Noah, which, of course, is pre-Sinai, does not have such a, uh, a law, but it seems that they were obliged to show this respect. In other words, uh, they felt they had this obligation, much like many of us, that studies the Torah and has determined uh, to love God with all our hearts and to follow or at least to keep his commandments. We also understand the favor in which God exercised toward us in bringing us into existence. And not only bringing us into existence, but that as he continues to uh, keep us alive, then all that should lead us to understand the obligation that we have in showing this same chesed toward others. And this, of course, is what we uh, see demonstrated by Shem and Japheth by taking a garment and laying it upon their shoulders. They covered the nakedness of their fathers. And it says they were not obligated to show this respect. This act is not one of the seven misfotes of B'nai Noah. The sons acted out of chesed. So we see that pre-Sinai, people understand this obligation, and, and they perform this obligation. We see it within the two sons of Noah here, Shem and Japheth. The Torah further quotes the blessing given by Noah to his sons, which was fulfilled later on. 
is mentioned in order to show us the greatness of this virtue. Now, remember the uh, blessing, of course, that Shem and Japheth received from Noah was a tremendous blessing. Uh, and it was given to them because of the kindness that they had shown their father. And now Noah extends the same kindness back by blessing his two sons. He says it is mentioned or to show us the greatness of this virtue. Man must deal benevolently with his fellows and exert himself to the utmost to hide the shame of his fellow men just as he would in protecting his own honor. <clears throat> okay. Next in Leklaka, the Torah tells us of the War of the Four Kings. And of course, this is in reference to uh, the kings that came to fight against, uh, of course, Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that uh, Lot's nephew was dwelling in that place at that time. And he and his family were taken along captive, as well as uh, many of the residents of Sodom and Gomorrah. Again, we must note that this uh, is pre-Sinai, <clears throat> which means uh, people were still acting with Hesed uh, long before the, the, the actual halakhic laws came into being concerning Hesed. So in Leklaka, the Torah tells us of the war of the four kings and how Abraham strove with all his might, even taking others, Onir, Eschol, and Mamre, with him, on order to rescue Lot and his possessions from captivity. Now Lot was at fault, as Scripture indicates, for in Genesis chapter 13, verse 12, we are told, and Lot abode in the cities of the district and moved his tent as far as Sodom. And of course here uh, we are told that Rashi elucidates on this text. He said, what made this happen to him? In other words, why was he brought into captivity by these kings? And he tells Rashi, says, his dwelling in Sodom. Okay? So he put himself in that position, uh, put himself in that place, and because he put himself living among these people, then he put himself also in the place of being taken into captivity. However, as the Kofis Khan goes on, he says, nevertheless, Abraham extended him the kindness of coming to his rescue. The entire Sidra of Aryera is pervaded by the trait of Chesed, the very first verse dealing with visiting the sick, uh, the next the entertaining of guests, and of course we're <coughs> here is alluding again <coughs> to a text as pre-Sinai, but we see that uh, it's on the third day after Abraham's circumcision. It's a, a, one of the worst days uh, after having been circumcised, and we see uh, of course, when he alludes to the fact that we see someone visiting sick, it's actually uh, God comes to visit Abraham uh, during the time of his sickness, the third day after his circumcision. And of course, the next allusion that he gives us here, he says, uh, the next is the entertaining of guests. And so we're told that Abraham, he looks and he sees uh, three men afar off, and he jumps up and he runs out with all of his energy uh, and uh, all his exhortations to invite them in and, and be able to not only uh, perform this act of chesed toward them, uh, being able to uh, give them water for their feet, uh, actually prepare a meal for them and, and to entertain guests. And so we are told, uh, 
the next deals with the entertainment of guests, then the energetic exertions of our forefather Abraham, all of which were acts of chesed. He says uh, to see Baba Metzia, uh, 30b, and also the tractate Shabbat 127b. The Torah thereupon informs us of God's love for Abraham, seeing that he would instruct his sons and his households after him to keep the ways of Hashem. And of course, this is a passage in uh, just prior to uh, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, God is pondering at least his, his thoughts are revealed to us about what he is about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. But his thoughts are also revealed to us about Abraham. And in those thoughts, in the passage in Genesis 15, we are told that God says, uh, before I destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, should I actually reveal this to Abraham? And then he says, well, yes, I should. Why? Because I know Abraham. I know that he will teach his household and his children the ways of Hashem. And the ways of Hashem are Mishpatim and Zadaka. <clears throat> so he says, yes, I will uh, reveal to him about what, what is about to transpire in Sodom. And why does he do this? Because of his love for Avraham. So he says that he knows him, that he would instruct his sons and his household after him to keep the ways of Hashem, uh, to do righteousness and justice, and chesed is included in the category of zedakah, or righteousness at this point, and even transcends it. In other words, uh, if we went back and we looked at uh, the guy for perplexed when Maimonides actually gives us uh, these, these three words, uh, chesed and mishpatim and zadak, and he gives us definitions of each one of those. And he tells us that, of course, that chesed is that something, a kindness, an act of kindness that we actually perform uh, without any expectation of, of ever receiving anything back. And in fact, most of what our, our performance of these these kinds of acts, especially chesed, has to do with benevolence. It's an act of benevolence. It's an act of doing something uh, that we don't expect anything in return, and that we uh, do it towards someone. Sometimes it has absolutely no way of of uh, of <coughs> of ever uh, ever repaying those people. Oh, it's good to see you, Andy, by the way, if you can hear me. <laughs> uh, if you can, by the way, just type in OK or something like that. Good. Uh, I'm in uh, Ahava Hesed with a Kofitz Kaim, and we're actually in the introduction on page 23, if you happen to have the book and want to follow along. And we're looking at all these ways, by the way, um, that we're told that people act and perform Chesed uh, before the Torah was given. And so we started out, by the way, talking about uh, the acts of chesed that God does toward all of mankind. In fact, the Torah begins with an act of chesed and ends with an act of chesed. But then on page 22, uh, long before, of course, Mount Sinai, long before the Torah was given, we still see people doing acts of chesed. Uh, Shem and Apeth, of course, did an act of chesed by covering their father uh, when he was naked. Noah uh, extends a blessing to them as an act of chesed. Uh, and Lech Lakav, which we were just talking about, uh, Abraham 
performs cussed by recovering his nephew Lot after they were taken by the four kings. <clears throat> also, Abraham again when he saw the, the, the men uh, coming and on the third day of his circumcision, which was the worst day, the most sorest day, but yet he jumps up and exerts himself, invites these men in, refreshes them, uh, provides food for them, uh, and entertains them. Okay? That's kind of where we're at this point. Now, he goes on to tell us, and let's look at this, what he says about the, the act. Where does Chesed fall at uh, at this point in time, since we don't really have a law concerning Chesed? And so he says, the Torah... Uh, thereupon informs us of God's love for Abraham, <clears throat> seeing that he would instruct his sons and his household after him to keep the ways of Hashem, to do righteousness and justice. And at this point, the Kofus Kaim informs us, and Chesed is included in the category of righteousness of Zadaka, and then he informs us also that it even transcends it, as Kazal has pointed out. So in Abraham's persistent uh, intercession with God on behalf of the men of Sodom to bear their iniquity and not destroy them. We see how one should strive to do good to others in a very, uh, in every way possible, even to pray for their deliverance, even though they have strayed from the good path. In other words, these men had no claim on Abraham whatsoever, but yet he strove in some sense <clears throat> with God to see them uh, possibly be delivered because of the destruction that was about to come upon them, even though. We know from the text that they had certainly strayed from the good path. And then he also informs us the destruction of Sodom itself teaches the importance of this virtue. The essential wickedness of the inhabitants consisted in their arrogance, uh, self-sufficiency, their refusal to help the poor, and their desire to prevent any stranger from entering their territory. Now it's interesting he doesn't bring the text out here but uh, sometimes if you have a time, you can go to the book of Ezekiel and God is presenting a case against the people of Israel, but he raises that case and he refers to uh, Sodom being like the sister. And, and then he raises the, the case of what was the actual sin of Sodom. And the actual sin that he says, sometimes most people get hung up on this idea that they were involved in all kinds of sexual sins, and, and maybe they were but maybe in a different way than what we think sometimes. Uh, and maybe they were also involved in, in illicit sexual sins. I'm not saying they were. But the thing about really that brought about their destruction based on what the prophet says, the prophet Ezekiel says, as God speaks to him is, that they would not give to the poor. In other words, there was no, no chesed, no kindness. And when the acts of kindness uh, were not done and then it was too late for the people. This was really what brought about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. So we can talk about all their sexual sins and we talk about their sexual pers uh, uh, perversions and all that, but really, and this is kind of included in exactly what he says here, he says the essential wickedness of the inhabitants consisted in their arrogant self-sufficiency. They refused to help the poor. Right? Okay, and then let me read what you got here. There's a classic midrash which all are concerning examples of the 
cruelty song. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there is all those cruelties. Uh, but the whole deal is that what he is saying, and, and, and I'm sure that he's saying this based not just on what we know from oral tradition, but he's saying this based on the prophet Ezekiel, where Ezekiel actually brings up the point that Sodom and Gomorrah was simply destroyed because there was no acts of kindness. There was no compassion. And what he is saying here is very true, that the essential wickedness, the essential wickedness, doesn't mean that there was not other wickedness, but the thing that really brought about the destruction was that it consisted in arrogant self-sufficiency, their refusal to help their poor, and their desire to prevent any stranger from entering their territory. So Rabbi Yonah, Gerdena, <coughs> uh, has explained in Yesod Ateshuva, the Torah further relates how Lot exerted himself to the fullest extent to serve the angels, even though he was unaware of their identity. Uh, if you remember in the story, of course, when the people uh, that were recognized by Abraham as men, and eventually they were recognized as angels, of course, by Lot. But when he saw these men, they were waiting in the town square. It was evening time. Uh, and he, of course, was one of the... The other thing is, it's interesting, he was one of the judges of that town. Because uh, you can see this is very clearly, by the way, when the people tell them it will be worse for him. Why? Because he's one of the judges and he's violating their laws. And by taking these men in. But he tells us that Lot exerted himself to the fullest extent to serve the angels, even though he was unaware of their identity. Okay? So, again, why was Lot spared? We're not saying that Lot was sinless, but why was Lot spared? Lot was spared because he was still able to perform an act of chesed. Right? Now, we're not going to get into the whole story. I mean, even though it's, it's, it's kind of nice to go through that whole story and to look at what is considered uh, chesed, at least from the standpoint of Lot, and all that he did for the angels. Okay? Now, next we read, in Genesis chapter 21, verse 33, Abraham planted a tamarzik, see Rashi here, uh, then the sedra of Chav-Sarah, uh, is full of the virtue of Hesed. Now remember, all the texts that we're talking about... Okay, what's the question, Andy? I'm sorry. I just glanced up and saw the board. <clears throat> okay, Andy's question is, was Lot still exotic even though he had been influenced by the people to some degree? Uh, it seems that he still understands uh, the need to perform Hesed. Uh, so I would think that uh, he remained somewhat. I wouldn't say that he was like a full exotic because uh, yes, it was this act of Hesed that, that, that literally spared him. I think uh, we can find very much proof of that from the text and also from rabbinical sources that would uh, tend to lead us to believe that it was these acts of Hesed that actually spared him. Now remember, everything we've quoted up until this point in time is pre-Sinai, pre-giving of the Torah, 
and and we see that these texts are just filled with the idea of chesed all the way through it. Okay? And we see these people performing it even though there is not any positive law that says that you should do it. You know? Uh, and how they even know they should be doing it. Well, again, if you have uh, if you have correct opinions about God, then you are motivated uh, by that to to perform those acts. Because once you question, as Abraham did, uh, which we talked about for uh, about three weeks actually before we actually got in the textbook here, and came to an understanding, I think that even though it might not be uh, one of the seven laws which falls under a halakhic system of performance of those laws. Uh, but there is an obligation. That obligation comes about because we understand the favor of God toward us and, and we respond in like manner. And the whole point is, uh, in our responding in like manner, it's simply saying that we are acting uh, to imitate him. If he performs chesed, uh, toward us, and we perform hesed in the same way. In other words, we imitate him. Now, so when we come to the uh, sedra of, of, of Chal uh, Sarah, and of course, this is just the partial. He says it's also full of the virtue of hesed. First, we're told of the hesed in Abraham's exertions in arranging Sarah's burial and delivering the eulogy over her. Now, remember. Uh, this is probably one of the greatest acts of chesed that someone can do. And why? Because one can never be repaid. And and the true act of chesed is something that you do. It's an act of benevolence. And benevolence is being able to do for something for someone that they cannot repay. Okay? It's an act of kindness. So, tending to the burial of someone... Uh, saying a eulogy over the dead. Uh, all these acts, of course, the person uh, cannot repay you for. So he says, these two acts constitute Gimluth Chesed, as is evident from the Gomorrah. Next we read a detailed account of the meeting of Isaac and Rebekah. The essential feature being her kindness. You know, we never think about this in a sense, but if we look at the scripture in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 14. Remember, Abraham sends his servant uh, to, to, to get a bride, uh, or using southern language, actually to fetch a bride uh, for Isaac. And how did the servant pick out who was going to be the bride? It was because of her acts of kindness. Let's look here and see. He says, Let the same be she that you have appointed for your servant, even for Isaac. Now, Rashi elaborates on them. And what does he say? She is fit for him, since she is charitable, and she shall be worthy to enter the house of Abraham. Now, further on, we find out in Genesis also, uh, chapter 25 and verse 9, And Yitzhak and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah after Abraham's death. And God blessed Isaac his son, which indicates, according to Kazal, that, that God duly comforted Isaac in his mourning. And again, we're talking about acts of kindness. 
uh, surely with Isaac and also even with his other son, uh, Ishmael, that shows up at the burial of Abraham, uh, these are also acts of kindness by the two sons. And he goes on to say, uh, God blessed Isaac his son, which indicates, according to Kazal, that God duly comforted Isaac in his mourning. So what's he saying here when he says that God blessed Isaac? He's simply saying that God was performing an act of chesed. Why? He was comforting uh, Isaac during this time of grief in his life. And then also in the next section of the Torah we find in Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 and also 22, he says, Jacob vowed a vow, saying, And of all that you shall give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Doubtlessly the tithe was set aside for charitable purposes. And again, let me just point out that all the, uh, all the citations that we have saw up to this point, these are all pre-Sinai. And all these acts are being performed by Noahites. Now I know that Abraham might not be considered by some as a Noahite, but truly is a Noahite. Uh, some might consider him like a, a prototype Jew, uh, but in reality is nothing more than a Noahite because there's no Jews at this point in time in history. There is only Gentiles. So we have to look at Abraham and consider him simply a Noahite, uh, Yitzhak is also a Noahite, and of course Isaac, and then Yaakov is also a Noahite. All these men, uh, during this period of time, as we read in the text of the Torah, are, are simply Noahites. And we see them performing these acts of chesed. Now, it's simply, again, a fact that chesed is not one of the seven. It doesn't fall within the Halakhic realm. But when we see all these men performing these acts, and God performing these acts toward these men, then we have to completely understand that in some way, every human being has an obligation to perform chesed toward other human beings. So as God performs it toward us, we are to respond in like manner. In other words, we are to imitate him. Uh, I think uh, there's a, a little cliche that somebody always says, you know, that uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery. So uh, certainly uh, to imitate God would be uh, a great thing for us, for every human being to do, by the way. And in fact, we should be doing that. Now, so we're told that God appeared to Jacob when he returned to Padam Aram to pronounce the blessing of the mourners after the death and burial of Devorah, Rebekah's nurse. Uh, we're la told later in Genesis 35, 19 of the burial of Rachel and of the setting of a tombstone of her grave next of the burial of Yitzhak and Vayishya. All of his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him. So we're still seeing all these acts of kindness, right? these acts of chesed. Uh, and they're still being performed by people that we consider non-Jews. Okay? We're talking still pre-Sinai. Now, even though these are certainly the sons of uh, Yaakov, which is also eventually named Yisrael, uh, what we do know is that the, the, the positive law concerning Chesed doesn't come about until Mount Sinai. Uh, and then you can say, okay, then there were Jews, but most importantly, there just was the nation of Israel. 
uh, if we say Jews, are just particularly one tribe. Now, it says, All of his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him. Then were told, Reuben and Judah strove to save Joseph uh, from death, and subsequently Jacob commended Judah for his act. Genesis chapter 49 and verse 6. What does he say? Judah, you shall your brothers praise. Now, Rashi has also pointed out that Tamar was willing to allow herself to be burnt rather than expose the guilty party and put Judah to shame in Genesis chapter 38, verse 25. And of course, uh, most of us should be, if we're not, now you should make yourself uh, familiar with the story in, in Genesis. It's a story about Judah. Uh, we would say he's the first Jew, actually. Uh, he's the one that actually becomes a progenitor of, uh, of the tribe of Judah. And when you read this story, you read this story about Tamar, uh, which was the wife of his oldest son, and his oldest son died, and of course uh, the younger son had the obligation of the Levite marriage, the obligation to marry and raise up seed to his brother. Uh, he failed to do so, and God killed him. And Judah was afraid that if he allowed the youngest son, when he became of age, to marry Tamar, that something would happen to him because he actually thinks something wrong. There's something wrong with Tamar rather than something wrong with his sons. And and, and in doing so, she eventually uh, plays the part of a prostitute on the side of the road, and uh, Judah goes in, has uh, an intimate relationship with her. From that intimate relationship, by the way, uh, becomes the uh, progenitor of uh, the of the Messiah, uh, and all the Messiahs, by the way, uh, you know King David and all the kings that would generate from him, and ultimately the Messiah. Okay, and so her act of kindness was that she was not willing. To expose the guilty party, Judah was about to have her burnt to death simply because he found out that she was in, her, in his household and she was pregnant. Uh, she wasn't married. Uh, but all of a sudden, when she privately uh, let, it known, let it be known to him that he was actually the father of the children, uh, she only did that as an act of kindness rather than putting him to shame. And so he tells us, this is the kindness which man extends to his fellow. Later we find also in Genesis 40 and verse 14, Have me in your remembrance when it shall be well with you, and show me kindness. Now all these types of conduct constitute gimlut chesed, to keep the other person in mind for the purpose of doing good to him, and praise to those having the power to help him, as we shall see with God's help explaining the ensuing chapters. Now, Joseph commanded to give them food for the way. Again, <clears throat> even though his brothers had been uh, very horrible to him and mistreated him in a, in a very wrong way, yet we see Joseph doing what to his brothers? Uh, he wasn't going to get back at them, but he simply was going to supply them with their needs of the food. And again, this is an act of kindness. He goes on to say, since this is a proper treatment, uh, to accord to departing guest. This is found, of course, in the Tractate Sanhedrin 103b in the Bodily Talmud. <clears throat> also, in Joseph dealing with the inhabitants of Israel in Genesis uh, 47, 13 and following, his endeavor to preserve their lives 
and his exertions to sustain them fall in the category of chesed. The worthy relationship of man to his neighbors, what forced Joseph to attempt to acquire the population as Pharaoh's slaves, if not these considerations. In other words, everything that he'd done in preserving the life of the people, even the life of Pharaoh himself, <coughs> excuse me, and the life of the Egyptians and all the people that would eventually come to Egypt for food, by the way, these are all seen as acts of kindness. And again, let me point out that Joseph was, uh, was not a Jew. Uh, there was no uh, law from Sinai at this point in time. So Joseph also was, believe it or not, folks, he was a Ben Noah, and he was performing acts of chesed. Now, he says very, various sections of Vayikah, uh, two also speak of chesed. And how does it speak of it? The death and burial of Jacob, the weeping over him, and the eulogy. Again, uh, you know, it's one of those acts that... Uh, a person can do that can never be repaid. It goes on to say also the carrying of his bier uh, and his funeral, all of which are acts of chesed as has been explained. So too it is written in Genesis 47 verse 29, and deal with me in chesed and in truth as Rashi has explained. So again, uh, we find all these acts toward these individuals and each one of these individuals, again, as we point out, this is pre-Sinai, prior to the giving of the Torah, before we actually have a positive law concerning Chesed, and all of a sudden now we still see people performing these acts. Now, at the top of page 25, as we continue on the introduction, and I'll have a Chesed by the Copet's kind. <clears throat> he says, the first chapter of Exodus, chapter 5, verse 17, relates... But the midwives feared God and served, excuse me, not served, and saved the male children alive. Now, I know there's some arguments about were the midwives actually part of Israel or whether, or whether or not they were actually Egyptians. We're not going to get into the discussion about the argument whether they were or whether they were not, who they were. But we want to see what the act is, Okay. So we're told immediately that these midwives, whoever they were, whether they were Egyptians or whether they were part of Israel, they feared God and they saved the male children alive. And again, what do we see going on here? We see chesed. Chesed again was performed here. Now, the midwives could have discharged their uh, moral duty to God into Pharaoh by resigning from their position. In other words, they could have said, you know, we just can't do this job. In other words, they could have backed out. And it's interesting that they do not do this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. When you read the text about the midwives, <clears throat> they could have just said, uh, you know, we just can't perform this job. But that was not the case. Uh, they continue performing, at least in some sense they're performing their job, and, and they're really performing their true job, and their true job is to save uh, the male children of the people of Israel. And that's uh, what they were doing there. So the midwives could have just resigned, basically, discharged their moral duty, both to God and Pharaoh, by resigning for their, from their positions. They were concerned, however, that the replacements might, out of fear, carry out Pharaoh's designs. In other words, if they 
uh, would not perform this task that Pharaoh had appointed them to, and if they had backed out it, which would have not put them under the obligation to save the male children of Israel, uh, but why did they not resign? They, they failed to resign simply because they were afraid that the people that would take their place would actually uh, carry out Pharaoh's commands. So what do we see about these uh, midwives? They acted charitably towards the daughters of Israel and endangered their own lives for the sake of those women. Furthermore, we are told, they would provide food and water for the poor women in confinement. Uh, see Rashi. And then we are told in uh, Shemot chapter 2 and verse 11, Moshe went out to his brothers and looked on their burdens. Okay, so now we have what? We have another act of chesed. Uh, at this time, let me ask you, uh, what was Moshe? What category would he fall under? Was he B'nai Yisrael? Or was he still B'nai Noah? Anybody want to take a wild guess? I see Andy typing something. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely before Sinai, so we would say he's what? He's a Ben Noah. But as a, you know, I think what I'm trying to get across to people, and through this first section that we've been looking at, uh, this introduction, all the examples, all the classical examples of chesed, which became positive laws later on in Mount Sinai, are performed by Ben Noahs, right? Or Bot Noahs, either one. Uh, so my question is, gee, how did they know how to perform this? Uh, and were they under such an obligation to perform it? And we've already determined there's an obligation, I think, after about three different classes uh, of determining that. <laughs> uh, but there's a difference between obligation and a, and, uh, a mitzvot, as we found out also. A mitzvot falls with under a halakhic system of how to deal with it or an obligation is something a little bit different. But if you have an obligation to do something, then you must study uh, the mitzvah of that obligation and be able to perform it. Uh, okay? Now, so he tells us here that Moses went out to his brothers and looked on their burdens. And when he saw them, we find out, he says, he took their distress to heart shared in it, and was anxious for them. That's according to Rashi. In other words, he was moved when he saw the uh, circumstances in which they were in. And these circumstances, of course, they were enslaved, they were uh, being beaten, uh, and dealt with very harshly by the Egyptian uh, people that had enslaved them. And, and he was moved. Right? And he shared it, and he was anxious for them. Now he tells us, this is in accordance with the virtue of chesed, which obligates to take account of the sufferings of others to see whether it is possible to help them to some extent. And when we see people suffering, uh, we should be moved. By chesed, 
to do something or whatever we can do to resolve that suffering. And so subsequently we are told, he, Moshe, smote the Egyptian. And why did he do that? To save the life of the victim. Verse 12. Subsequently we are told in verse 17, Moses stood up and helped the daughters of Jethro. Now, the one thing that you find out about Moshe, if you study his life, is uh, I would say that he has this uncanny knack for justice. Uh, he also has this uncanny uh, knack for chesed. And so we see this by him standing up, and of course, uh, when he slew the Egyptian to save the life of one of his fellow brethren. We also sit, by the way, when he stood up and helped the daughters of Jethro at the well. And it says, And they related, in verse 19, Moreover, he drew water for us. This is what the daughters of Jethro, of course, are telling their father. Moreover, he drew water for us and watered the flock. And later on, the officers of the children of Israel were beaten. Uh, it's in Shemot 5.14. What chesed lies here? We are told the officers did not want to drive their workers unmercifully, and so they took the beatings themselves. Another act of chesed. Now Moshe, we are told, took the remains of Joseph. Of course, this is when the people uh, were leaving Egypt. They takes the remains of Joseph with him, and that's in Shemot 14:19. And thus God repaid Joseph for the kindness he had extended in burying his father, Jacob. And you can find this reference, by the way, in Tractate Soda of the Bible Talmud uh, 9b. And he says, comment on this verse, 15:2. This is my God, and I will glorify him. Abba Shaol has declared in Tractate Shabbat 133b, what does he say? Imitate Hashem. Now remember, he is doing what? He is commenting on the verse in 15.2. Now, remember 15.2 is just a little bit more before uh, what time? If we look at the text. What time does Sinai happen? What what's the textual time? When are the when do the people meet with God to receive the Ten Commandments? About five chapters later, right? Exactly. So we're at least five chapters earlier, are we not, Andy? So he says, his comments on this text, by the way, this is my God, I will glorify him. So what was he commenting here? Imitate Hashem. As he is gracious and merciful, so be you gracious and merciful. Now, in other words, we are told at this point in time, pre-Sinai, that if we imitate we should emulate, is another good word by the way, to emulate our Creator. If our Creator is kind and just, how should we act? With that same uh, type of virtue, of chesed, 
of Mishpatim, of Zedakah. Okay? So if he's gracious and merciful, so be you gracious and merciful. Uh, it says here is he expounded as Ani Vayu, I in he. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, Yethro, uh, Shemot chapter 18, verse 7. Here and in the following verses, the duty of welcoming guests, which is also, what? Chesed is exemplified in the verse, uh, verse 20, and you shall show them the way wherein they shall walk. The way is taken by Chazal to indicate Gimluth Chesed, the Ten Commandments announced in chapter 20, verse 6, that God shows what? Shows chesed to thousands of generations. It is necessary for us to follow the example of his virtue. The Sidra of Mishpatim, 22:14, mentions the duty of lending money to my people and the regulations governing the restoration of a pledge, verse uh, 11, which also stems from the virtue of benevol uh, benevolence, as explained in Devarim chapter 24 and verse 13, many topics are discussed in the Sedra of Bihar, Leviticus chapter 25, all of them aspects of chesed, such as redeeming relatives from slavery and your brother shall live with you. Now, all of these are acts of chesed. Okay? Uh, we're about out of time, so I'm just glanced up at the uh, page here, and I see a note. The emulation of Hashem's ways are giving some halakhic definitions in uh, Mishnah Torah, Hilkot, Deot, Laws of Temperaments. Absolutely. <clears throat> I would suggest that you go back and read those. Uh, I think that the quote of imitate or emulate Hashem also appears in Hilkot, Deot. Yeah, I think it does too, Andy. Uh, like I've said before, you know, we have that little cliche that sometimes we use that the highest form of flattery uh, is that of imitation. Uh, so if, uh, we, if we think somebody is a great person and we choose to imitate them, uh, surely uh, Hashem is the greatest being that, that, that exists. He is uh, the, the, the true existence. And so we should imitate Him uh, and emulate His ways. And this is what I think when you find out, we go back to that passage in Genesis 18 when it tells us about Abraham. And when God makes the comments about Abraham, he says, I know Abraham. I know that he would teach his household and his children the ways of Hashem. And then he reminds us the ways of Hashem are Mishpatim and Zadaka. And according to uh, the sages, and especially by Kofit's kind, he reminds us that the idea of chesed uh, is locked within the context of Zadaka, but then it says that it's even on a higher level. So what we have found out so far, as the Kofitz Kaim has pointed out to us, not only from the text, but also from the rabbinical sources, that this idea of chesed is something that was performed long before Mount Sinai in the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. Now, the, the interesting thing is about the Torah at Mount Sinai is that we have this positive commandment of chesed, and we can deal specifically with the halakhic system that locks around this concept and idea of chesed. So now we can really get keyed into it. But 
if we went back and actually just studied, let's just say we just studied the book of Genesis and, and we saw men acting and, and women acting in specific things, you know, in specific ways, then we could also view those as acts of chesed, which would lead us to an assumption, should lead us to an assumption, that we should act in the same manner. So if we see somebody showing up for a burial, we see them giving eulogies, we see them uh, carrying the, uh, the funeral briar, uh, which we would just call a coffin today, uh, all these things are acts of chesed, and even though we might not find it as a particular law within the text, we can see people carrying that out. And it all, again, comes back and stems back to the point of people, I would say, uh, for us at least, that it is necessary that we learn the correct concepts of God, learn His ways so that we can imitate those ways, and it certainly appears that these people did that prior to Mount Sinai. Okay, well that will end our class today, and God willing we'll pick back up in our uh, our textbook, Ahava Hesed by the Kofitz Kaim, and we're just in the introduction. Again, we're not necessarily going to follow the precise order of the book. We're kind of going to jump around a little bit. I've got my kind of my own order that I go with it. Uh, so we'll begin, God willing, next week on page, uh, where we left off at, on page somewhere in the middle of page 26, and we'll continue looking at the introduction and actually seeing people perform acts of chesed all the way down through the ages, even prior to Mount Sinai. So if there's any questions or comments anybody would like to have before we close out this session, uh, you may do so now, or if you have a question. Okay, and it has a question for next week, I guess. What are the limits of chesed? Who is deserving? Who is not? Uh, to quote uh, even Paducah's Duties of the Heart, quoting Talmud Hulim 133a, He who does a favor to an ingrate is like a man who casts a stone before Mercury and serves, uh, and serves idols. Uh, exactly. Uh, in fact, what we're going to do is we're actually going to get into the text of the Torah uh, where it actually spells out, you know, what are the laws. Because if we have an obligation to do chesed, we can learn from uh, the section in Genesis about acts of chesed because we see men and women doing those acts. But if we really want to understand how we perform acts of chesed, to whom do we do it to, uh, how can we do it, then we want to get into the halakhic uh, form of that. And the Torah does give us halakhic form of, of, of that positive commandment of doing chesed. And we're going to find those, uh, by the way, in the textbook as we get further into it. So hopefully we'll answer those questions as we go into it, Andy. Okay. If Okay. Okay. If there's no other questions or comments, then uh, God willing, we'll pick back up on our study next week. Uh, shalom to y'all.